What's up, NBA fans? We are now in the thick of the conference finals, both in the eastern and western side. Uh, NBA did us a favor in making sure that these both these teams' schedules lined up a little bit closer. So now we are in the gauntlet where every day we have a, a heated game, uh, pun on the heats as well, just lighting <laughs> it up tonight against the Celtics. I mean, I almost, I almost feel like calling this the Tyler Hero episode because, man, that mm. guy just really lit up the Boston Celtics tonight and really came helped the Heat come away with a crucial win to go up 3-1 against Boston. Um, so, you know, of course, we'll give some shout-outs to that guy. We'll talk We'll talk Boston. He, what, how much of a chance does, do the Celtics have to still come back against the Heat or are the Heat truly the better team here? Uh, really going against our prediction, thinking that the Celtics were coming out of the finals from the Eastern Conference side. And, of course, we'll also talk Lakers and Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets are right where they want to be with one game. So it's 2-1 right now. If the Lakers win the next one, then, you know, it's that deadly 3-1 series lead against this, um, you know, team that you can never count out in the Denver Nuggets. But before we dive into all that, we got some quick thoughts. But I got a trivia question for you, Sean. Mm-hmm. In light of the, the Heat win right now against the Boston Celtics, helping them go up 3-1, what player is one win away from his six straight <laughs> NBA Finals? Wow, yeah, that actually sounds like a pretty tough one. But now that it's just narrowed down to the Heat, <laughs> I have very good feeling that it's Andre Iguodala. Yeah, I just realized that I totally <laughs> butchered that by giving you that big hit. I my plan was to make you guess through from all four teams, which I think. I guess yeah, it still point, narrows it down. I might have gone like JaVale McGee. I might have thought or something around that if if you if you brought it out to the to all the teams too. But yeah, the, on the Heat, that yeah, man, that guy got lucky getting traded from Memphis, though, huh? <laughs> yeah. So Andre Godala right now one win away from going to his sixth straight final. Not quite LeBron James's streak of eight, but still impressive enough. Six straight finals for Andre Godala, and you know he's no scrub riding the bench either. He's played some crucial minutes here uh, in this mm-hmm. game. I think he logged 22 minutes, played some great defense, made some great passes. Uh, this Miami Heat team is just firing on all cylinders just because of all the pieces they have. Uh, but we'll dive further into that team. But first, let's just let's just get some of these quick thoughts out of the way, Sean. So uh, we got coaching. Coaching, a lot of co- search for head coaches. The Bulls officially hired Billy Donovan as their new head coach. Uh, Zach Levine, funny enough, finding out about it while streaming his Call of Duty <laughs> session online. Uh, looking I saw over that. His phone. I saw that. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, it's. I think it's always funny when he explains who these people are to to the all the people streaming. You know. Well, the caption of that video, if well, I don't know if you saw the same one that I did, was it was said Zach Levine ecstatic about hearing about Billy Donovan as his new head coach, and to me. <laughs> It was the most nonchalant, yeah, emotional response to this. It's just like, oh, cool, uh, Billy Donovan, good coach, nice. Like it was as monotone as it could get. I was like waiting for him to like have some sort of emotion, but there was nothing there. So that was kind of the way I felt about this, honestly. When hearing that Billy Donovan was going to be the new head coach, I'm like, yeah, he had a good season with OKC this year, but like, I I feel like I credit that as much to Chris Paul as to anybody else uh, for getting that team as far as they did. And Billy Donovan, I just feel like he has never wanted that guy to get the, a team over the hump. 
And I guess if the Chicago Bulls' goal is just to make the playoffs, maybe he can get them there. But if they're trying to get to another level past that, they're going to need to look elsewhere. So I guess it kind of just depends on what your goal is. If your goal is just to make the playoffs, then sure, I think it's a decent hire. But if your goal is to win a championship at some point over the next five years, that is not happening with, with Billy Donovan. I just don't see it. Yeah, I think I wasn't that ecstatic. I felt it felt pretty predictable. It was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Like to he's me, it feels coach. like he's a he's a decent coach, and I think you know he has a lot of obviously history on the college basketball side with Florida. Um, I mean, I could see where it makes sense, right? Like you have a young roster, so you bring in a coach who seems to have good experience in terms of bringing the best out of some young players. Uh, especially what he did this year. But you're right. I mean, who knows how much credit that goes to him and how much of that goes to Chris Paul's uh, you know, leadership on the court as well. I think it's a safe pick for the Chicago Bulls, I think, for a, for a franchise that's really trying to hit a hard reset after basically firing <laughs> most people from their organization in the last six which, months. Which was necessary, by the way. Yeah, very necessary. <laughs> so I, I, I honestly don't have a problem with it. And again, yeah, yeah I think you're right. Like from a, from a goal perspective, like, I mean, he doesn't jump out of the out of the page, but I think he in in an in a weekend Eastern Conference in terms of like the competition for the seven and eight and six seed. I think I think it's a safe pick for the Bulls. I think more of the yeah. problems come from the health side. Well, coaching was a problem. I think everything was a problem too. But uh, <laughs> I mean, if they can keep everybody healthy, I think Billy Donovan should be able to get this team to the at least compete for the eight seed. Yeah, definitely. I think. That is how I think management has to view this hiring is this is a stepping stone. Like they can't bring this guy on for a long-term extension if he makes the playoffs. Like if like obviously they'll consider that success and they'll be like, "Oh, like Billy Donovan did good. He got us to the playoffs." But it's going to be one of those things where I think it's like Mark Jackson on the Warriors, you know. Like he got them to the playoffs. He he helped develop Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to that next level. And then you had to get another coach that would actually get you to be a championship contender. I think this is maybe that stepping stone. This is the Mark Jackson role of developing the players. Like you said, he's, he seems pretty good in young player development and get them to another step up and then find another coach after a few years once you've gotten yourself as an established playoff team. Yeah, I think so. Um I, I'm pretty excited to see what Billy Donovan does with this team and give him a clean slate to judge yeah. him upon. Yeah, I mean, so, they, they got talent, obviously. We know Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markkinen are both super good talents, and Zach Levine is still pretty young. Uh, and they, they got a few other young pieces there. So it, it's a fun roster to work with, I think, if, I, if I'm a new head coach. It's, it's going to be fun to try to get these guys to meet their potential. Right, and you're not quite going through the gauntlet uh, like you are in the Western yeah. Conference. Yeah, the pressure is definitely a lot less. You know, it's mm-hmm. like even if you get off to a bad start, you're like, oh, okay, it's the East. I can still make the playoffs with like 35 wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we don't expect the Bulls to be a contender. At least, I don't think so. Maybe no, probably, no, no. <laughs> not anytime soon. But they got pieces to develop there. Uh, but the Toronto Raptors signing Nick Nurse to a multi-year deal. Again, I'm not surprised here. I think it's yeah. well deserved. I think. They were literally just one game away, just a couple plays away from being in this Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, mm-hmm. Would they have matched that better with the Miami Heat? I don't know. I think it would have been Maybe. close, but 
maybe. But still, like uh, the Raptors are hanging in there. There's they're still a solid team, and I think they still got a couple more years in them. Um, you know, even without Kawhi Leonard, most people thought they'd fall off hard. But I think Pascal Siakam can still make a bigger leap in his career. And if Nick Nurse is there. I think that's the right man for them. Yeah, I mean, they have the personnel, obviously, like you said, well-deserved for, for this coach. Who I mean, this was another thing where uh, Dwayne Casey was that coach that was really leading this team to be a playoff contender every year. They fire and bring in Nick Nurse, and then they win the championship. So the, he's that next-level coach, and, and he's really proven that he is that tier of coach in this league. So you have to just retain this guy as much as you can. And the Raptors are well ahead of any projections that I think people had for them at the beginning of the year. Uh, just just an amazing coach, an amazing system, amazing front office that this Raptors team has. And, and securing Nick Nurse was definitely that step they needed. And I think that a few other players that they need to retain to continue to have this team grow and develop together and, and get back to a championship contending team. I mean, Fred Van Fleet, I think he still has some development to do, even though he's a little on the older side as far as he hasn't been in the league that long, but he came in a little older. Um, He's still got some development to go. Obviously, Pascal had those jitters in the playoffs that he's going to have to work through. Um, But if there's a coach that's going to be able to to get this team to get another step up even from what they did this year, uh, Nick Nurse is that guy. So, yeah, kudos to them. Yeah. I agree. They're like a little mini Spurs of the East. Not yeah, quite, we we thought the, the Celtics were going to be the Spurs of the East, but they kind of they carved out an identity of their own, which which I'm okay with. But <laughs> yeah, the, the the Raptors, man, they just they just keep on fighting. Yeah, I mean they've been the play they've been in the playoffs now for almost ten not ten not quite ten years, but I think a it's while. like seven years, yeah. seven yeah. eight years. So yeah. and it looks <laughs> like they're those they're still here to play. So oh yeah. Uh, Mike D'Antoni and Tyron Lue right now the leading candidates for the 76ers head coaching job. This one is interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I'm surprised that Mike D'Antoni's name is really in here. I think the Pacers franchise made a little more sense, that roster, but this 76ers roster just doesn't seem to fit Mike D'Antoni's style. kind of reminds me like of the Laker roster that he walked into where it was more <laughs> oriented with big men and he kind of just went in there and created a disaster of rotations. And <laughs> that's exactly what I could see happening with this 76ers team. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, obviously he has a huge pedigree in the league, and that's why he'd be considered a leading candidate. But I'm not sold on him being that missing piece for them. Like, Mm-mm. we just saw for many years what he tried to do in Houston – and he had the perfect roster for his system, and it could not work. They had that one year where you could argue if Chris Paul wasn't hurt, they go on to win the title, sure. But like you said, with the 76ers roster, it would have to be a complete upheaval of the personnel you have there. I mean, Joel Embiid, he'd be gone. <laughs> Tobias Harris, I think he'd be gone too. He's not a run-up-and-down kind of player. I think the only person they'd end up keeping on that team would be Ben Simmons. And then, man, I don't even know what they'd try to get to put around him because it would just be a mess. And Elton Brand, as a young, inexperienced GM, I do not trust him to get that type of personnel for the right price. Uh, Yeah, because they went all in on the strategy that they went in with Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris. They paid them all that money. And all Horford. 
And Al Horford, man. Don't Let's forget. not forget Don't Al forget. Horford. Josh this guy's Richardson. 20% of the cap. 20, um, roughly. Yeah, oh. And Josh <laughs> Richardson making a good chunk of money, too. For a guy that really, I thought was going to be better, amounted to, I mean, when he's the fifth option on the team, he's not going to really amount to much. Yeah, that yeah. that's just, that would be a disaster, honestly. It would be a, a train wreck that I would love to watch <laughs> as an NBA fan to see what they would do with that. But I mean, if you're choosing between the two, I feel like Tyron Lue just makes so much more sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's so much more sense. I Championship pedigree. Um, was able to lead teams that have superstars to championships. So, yeah, and obviously being the assistant on the Lakers this year, um, having coached two superstars there, I think yeah, that would work a lot better with a Ben Simmons Embiid type of chemistry type of role. Uh, I don't, I don't think D'Antoni makes as much sense, but <laughs> they might, they might make take that home run hit and, and see if they strike out. And they've definitely proven that they are willing to take these types of risks. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how heavy Elton Brand will be in the decision-making for this head coaching vacancy, but, man, he started off what looked to be great decisions, and he has really fallen off ever yeah. since then. Like, <laughs> some, of the, some of the signings didn't make any sense to anybody outside of, you know, obviously, like, to fans and writers. Most people were scratching their head with the all Hartford signing. Uh, many felt that maybe you could have gotten away with not giving Tobias the the max, but he, you know they did it anyways. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a bad place for the 76ers team, and if he has a heavy voice in choosing to sign Mac D'Antoni, wow, what a huge setback! And we might never hear Elton Brand's name again. <laughs> <laughs> I NBA feel like the circles. roster that the, the roster they ended up constructing was the type that you would love to make if you were a GM in NBA 2K and <laughs> yeah. Elton Brand kind of just live that out in real life but this is reality and you can't control the players and put them on turbo the whole time you gotta actually play them out <laughs> yeah exactly like it, you could make an argument that the 76ers might have been in a better spot without all those changes like had they kept Robert Covington uh, mm-hmm. Dario Sari <laughs> you know all yeah. those all those characters that they had. Yeah, instead of Horford, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember whether... I guess Elton Brand made the Jimmy Butler trade. Um, yeah. So... He made, he made the Tobias Harris trade, so you could have still have Shamit on the yep. team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, poor Elton Brand. <laughs> yeah, he's he's learning by doing, you know. <laughs> Just gotta yeah. learn the hard way. <laughs> Sometimes though, that that could be the end of your career. But we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens to this guy. I hope he goes with Tyron Lugo. Go with the safe option. No more swinging yeah. for the fences yeah. or the home run play here. <laughs> let's go to the conference finals breakdown here. It. Miami Heat, Boston Celtics, three one. The Miami Heat just looking in control of this entire series, even the couple of days off that they've had. I thought that might help the Celtics get their legs back a little bit, maybe hit some practice time and get Gordon Hayward back and used to the rotation. And, I mean, Gordon Hayward had a decent game today, but the Miami Heat just looked like in control of this game the entire time, both on the defensive side and on the offensive side. They are just such a great execution team. And Tyler Mm -hmm. Hero came out. And he said he's going to be, he's going to, you know, he's going to play some hero ball and he's going to win this game for this team. And he did. One of the four rookies to ever score more than 10 points in his first playoff games. 
uh, joining Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, and second most points in a playoff game by somebody under the age of 20. Magic Johnson being first, Derrick Rose being third, and he had his career high in points with 37. So this is a guy who made second team all rookie. I mean, it almost feels like foolish to have put him there with this yeah. this crazy game. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that this all rookie team was based on the regular season that happened before the pandemic. And this is essentially Tyro Harrow's second year. True, true. This is this is a breakout second year for Tyler Harrow in, in a little microcosm and it, obviously the situation's different would he be performing like this if he was traveling around if if he had to play away games i mean miami's not that far away from where they're at right now so maybe he still feels a little bit at home i don't know i feel like it's definitely uh, some asterisks to be had for sure (laughs) but since everyone's under the same circumstance i mean this was an incredible performance that i don't want to take too much away from i mean this this kid was putting the team on his back and on a team that where Jimmy Butler is the clear leader. And we know that you forget for a second that Tyler Harrow isn't the leader of this team because he was bringing the ball up. He was playmaking. He was so confident just in, in this, in this game tonight, just putting shots in guys faces, oh, just jacking up threes as if he's Steph Curry. And a lot of them were going in. It was yeah. a crazy party. Shot sixty six percent tonight. Really, the only guy in the entire game that was shooting well because th- this was a slugfest. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, I mean, the first half I think both teams were shooting like forty percent or maybe lower. And, and Jason Tatum, for one, had zero field goals in the first half. And Tyler Harrow was just the consistent presence on both sides of the of the game for either the Celtics or the Heat. He was the most consistent run of points that. Man, I've ever seen out of a rookie like this. This is incredible. Like this is Luka Doncic level of performance here, just taking over the game. And it's just really hard for me to believe that this Heat team is up three one right now, because yeah. we've underestimated them the entire year. They were a fringe playoff team with Jimmy Butler leading the way. They get the four seed. They get the four seed. We think it's going to be a close series with the Pacers, they sweep them. We think the Bucks will handle them easily. They beat them in five. We think the Celtics are going to beat them, and now they're up 3-1, commanding this series, and it's just destined now for them to make the finals with just this ragtag team of honestly kind of misfits that you didn't expect to be in this situation at all, if not ever. Jimmy Butler to lead a finals team. Jimmy Butler, that is crazy. That uh, that is pretty hard for me to believe. I I'm I mean I'm with you. I feel like me and you always talk about Butler like the type of guy who thinks he's a lot better than he really is. <laughs> like I th- I just feel like that's the way for me to describe him. Like I've always felt like yeah, Jimmy Butler is good, and he talks about being wanting to be good, but I'm not sure I put him in my top twenty and you know top twenty players in the league. And now it just seems mm-hmm. crazy. Like he's doing, he's doing what a lot of the, those players I'd put in the top twenty haven't done. You know, lead a team to the finals like a Paul George. You know, we're talking about a guy mm-hmm. like that, a Paul George. Oh, don't um, even mention that name, please. <laughs> 
right? Like a or Damian Leonard. I mean, Damian's done some incredible stuff too. On but you know, a Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. Yeah. I think most of mm-hmm. us put up have him in our top twenty. No, no doubt, right there. Giannis. Giannis. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we could keep throwing names, but the point is that that like Jimmy Butler has just sort of always been fighting against the. Uh, uh, the, nar- the the false narrative against him and and he's been putting a hell of performances you know he he he's been efficient he's he's molded right into Miami Heat's vision they execute the ball so well unselfish uh, he, too unselfishly he plays great defense uh makes great plays great reads everything about this Miami Heat is just awesome great team basketball to watch it happen like and Tyler Harrell definitely benefited a lot of that i mean he himself is super aggressive not afraid of the moment but the miami heat the way they play the execution is just brilliant i mean one of the plays that really stood out to me was with five minutes to go you know celtics are down six and then you know jason tatum dribbles up passes it out to marcus smart and early in the shot clock he just pops up and for three (laughs) it's just like why why do that? Like you're, you have Jalen Brown <laughs> not, yeah. and Gordon Hayward on the same team. <laughs> the same Obviously team. shoots it bricks on the other end. Miami Heat, Miami rebounds it. You know, runs a quick play within, within like five seconds. The ball's back in Harrell's uh, hands, and he's shooting a clean look from three. Just because they executed so well, their X's and O's are just brilliant. Like Eric Spolster has done a great job with this team, and and the fact that Jimmy Butler's there, not disrupting any of that. But in fact, enhancing it, it just speaks a lot to how he's really turned his career and the narrative around him around. And now they're only one win away from the NBA Finals. Oh, man. It's so unreal just hearing you say that. But <laughs> it is it is the epitome of team basketball. And that's what we've been saying for like the last month now is that this Heat team just plays the best team basketball that I've seen in a very long time. Because these are guys that I mean, you look at some of the depth of some of these other teams like like the Clippers, like the Bucks, the Raptors, all teams that arguably have as good a depth as the Heat, but never met the potential of that when they needed it in these playoffs. But they got Tyler Harrow to go to this star this star level, honestly. Like he's playing like a star in this league right now. Duncan Robinson being a hero in some of these games. Andrea Guadalla putting in serious minutes. Jay Crowder putting in serious minutes. Like, these are guys, like, they're pretty interchangeable talent-wise with some of the guys on the benches of, of these other teams that were eliminated, but they're playing at such a higher level. Like, the energy is so much better with this Heat team. It And I think what it comes down to is their defensive energy. It just leads to offense being efficient for them. I mean, I think a lot of what's been talked about with this heat Celtics series is how the Celtics can't figure out the zone of the Miami heat. And and a lot of people call it a high school defense or even a college defense because it's always been man on man in the NBA. That's just the standard, but Mm -hmm. this zone defense is coming out and and the Miami heat execute it to the best level imaginable. And they forced 19 turnovers on the Celtics tonight being in the zone defense. Even when the Celtics were coming back, even when they were up by a lot, they st- stayed true to this zone defense because they knew at the end of the day that this was their best chance to beat this Celtics team, and it paid off in an amazing fashion for them. Like This zone defense is kind of crazy that it's not used more often in the league. I mean, 
you don't ever see it really and and now there's uh, it's almost like a secret weapon of sorts even though it's looked at as a mediocre defense in, in a lot of different circumstances i feel but if this celtics team can't figure that out which they should be able to they have the personnel Mm-hmm. To 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 run plays against any type of defense, I, I'm not really sure what their problem with it is. I mean, I, I don't know enough about defensive schemes to really understand why it's so hard for them. <laughs> but just watching them on offense and just committing so many turnovers tonight, you're just like, how does this happen every yeah. game? It seems for them. Yeah, and the story here was the yeah the 17 the 19 turnovers. Uh, so the Miami Heat's eight turnovers, you know, ha- more than half of the turnovers that that the Miami Heat had here. Um, and Miami Heat also on the defensive end, they're making it work with their zone defense and their quickness because they're not a big team either. Yeah. You, know, you have mm-hmm. Jay Crowder and Andre Godala playing the four for most of this game. So Bam Adebayo, you know, he's a defensive guy. He's brilliant there, but he's also not a large large man in, in terms of like NBA. So you would think that the, the, the Miami, the Boston Celtics would be able to play off that and, and make that an advantage for themselves. But the Miami, he have done, done what they could with what they have. And they also play their own version of small ball here, you know, with Jay Crowder and Andre Godala at the four, but just forcing those turnovers seven in the fourth quarter for the Boston Celtics. Um, not able to really come away with a clean offense. Not unless, at least until those last few minutes, Jason Tatum had knocked down some some big shots, but couldn't get it going in the first half. And you're right, Sean. It was a it was a pretty slugfest of a first a entire game, really. Yeah, yeah. All teams struggling, but the Miami Heat at the end of the day just commanded this with their defense and came away with the win. Tyler Harrow with his his brilliant offense. Um, it really helping them go 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 take it over the top. I mean, they made some some bad moves with a minute to go to let the Celtics kind of get back into this game. But it, it to me, it seems like all really but over. It seems like the in terms of Rube, from Rubik's cube using that ana- analogy again, <laughs> I think the Boston Celtics haven't been able to solve Miami Heat's Rubik's cube, and the Miami Heat have been able to solve the Boston Celtics. They have tactically figured out this Boston Celtics team. I'm not sure what adjustments Brad Stevens can truly make. I mean, when you look at this roster, there's not much going going on here unless Gordon Hayward can magic miraculously take a huge step forward in the next few days. And But I doubt it. I mean, Marcus Smart, another inefficient night. You know, Jason Tatum struggled, but he came through again. Jalen Brown's doing what he can. Kemba Walker played a little bit better. Uh, yeah maybe arguably his best game in the series and it just wasn't enough hmm. yeah it was close i guess it wasn't even as close as it looked like on the box score because they were up nine in the last minute and celtics are getting a lot of favorable calls we'll call them yeah <laughs> at the end of that game to make it seem like it was close but i mean he got their free throws in and, and they sealed it from there but uh, i guess well i, I want to bring this back to tyler harrow uh, just for a second, because I have to ask you this question is like, do you think that this is sustainable, much like how Jamal Murray has elevated himself to superstar status as an NBA player in this league? How sustainable is Tyler Harrow's success in this league? Is he an all star caliber player in your mind? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> 
I don't want to jump to. I just I think in the my in this system. I mean, I think things just really led up to a huge game for him today. Uh, the Celtics just couldn't really keep up with him. He was running around screens. He was finding the Miami Heat were doing a great job of finding him. I mean, I do expect Brad Stevens to respond with some adjustment against Tyler Harrell, but I do think it'll still lean towards Miami. I think another guy will will light it up for them. Uh, but in terms of Tyler Harrell individually, I don't know. It's hard to say, but could he be a 30-plus scorer in this league? Probably not. Um, but I could see <laughs> him. Not 30, but like low 20s consistently and like averaging on the year. Because, I mean, this isn't just a one-game thing for Tyler Harrell. Right. I mean, he he's averaged 20.5 points this series. Seven re- seven rebounds for the six foot five guard, five assists. He, he's doing it on all ends of the floor, and this isn't just the Celtics series too. I mean, he had a great series against Milwaukee. Granted, he wasn't scoring twenty points a game, but he's he was still averaging like some decent rebounds and assists. And he's just the more that they've given him the opportunity, it seems like he's been able to do everything they wanted and more every time that they give him the keys. Then maybe we see him in an all-star jersey, Sean. It's possible. I mean, he's playing brilliant well, basketball yeah, I guess what's, right now. Yeah, what's the argument against that happening, though? Like, what, where's give me the devil's advocate uh, for Tyler Harrow. Because, I mean, this this kid is just lighting it up without yeah, regard I guess, for human life. <laughs> I guess the thing that could hold him back, I mean, obviously he's, he's a huge shooter. So, I mean, the streakiness of it. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think who would be his biggest competitors off the top of my head. I got, you know... Bradley guards Beal. like Ky- Kyrie Irving, Kyrie, uh, uh, honestly like Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Kyle Lowry, and there, there's plenty of good guards mm-hmm. in the East. But I don't know. I feel like if Tyler Harrow continues this play into next season, he's gonna make a very strong case for himself. And it, it's kind of ridiculous that he still plays. This is even more ridiculous of a bench. A sixth man than Lou Williams. <laughs> I don't think even Lou Williams played thirty six minutes a game. Like this is this is some next level sixth man right here. <laughs> yeah, and I mean a large part of it was also Duncan Robinson had a pretty bad shooting night for himself, so it was limited right. to twenty three minutes. Um, but I think I think um, I mean Tyler Harrell. Either way, I think he's shown that he's got the talent. Uh, so could he make an All Star team next year? Maybe, probably. You know. We'll see. I mean, it would depend on one of these guy, other guys falling off, like a Kyle Lowry, Kemba Walker. I don't think Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving will fall off, but could he replace Kyle Lowry? Taking one of those yeah. guard spots? I think it's not out of the question, especially if they continue to give him the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you put him in the starting lineup over like a, a Duncan Robinson, I feel like that just gives him even more opportunity. and. I mean, this this is the playoffs too. It's like for a kid to be able to elevate his game like this, and I know it's the bubble, so it's not a real playoff atmosphere, but with still so much on the line, for this kid to be able to do this is so impressive. Yeah, it'll be an interesting case study to see what hap- how he contrasts that once we once we go into the real year. I mean, I don't really yeah. expect much a lot to change, but I think he's still a great he's a great talent. But let me ask you this: Miami Heat are up three one now. Sean, are you changing your mm-hmm. prediction at all? Are you ready Oof, to toss it out yeah. the window? That that was the next <laughs> question I wanted to ask you too, and and that is so tough because my 
prediction is still in play because I said Celtics in seven. You said Celtics in six, so that's out the window. Yeah, that's done. But, so this, this is the case I'll make for the Celtics. Every win that the Heat have had have been a close game. That It could have gone either way, you could argue. I mean, even the Celtics in this game tonight, I won't argue that they, they could have won in the last minute, but they, at one point in the fourth quarter, had the lead. And so a few shots go a few different ways. Maybe maybe we're talking about an even series. But it's at 3-1 right now. But I still feel like the Celtics can be the better team. One thing that is, I think, very important that we need to watch now is Bam Adebayo's wrist. Because I don't know if you saw, at, at, towards the end yep. of that game, him and Tatum yeah, got, got locked up. I couldn't tell exactly what happened. He might have sprained his wrist. Um Get, get trying to get a rebound I, I don't know if you saw it did it look like it, it looked any worse from any angle that you saw it it didn't look that bad to me but he's it was an obvious pain yeah i mean it sounds here like he was good you know this is his quote like he's no longer icing it he's saying he's good that's what we're seeing okay. right now but I'm guessing- yeah i mean that's just his word though <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so if he's hurt then the, the Celtics are going to steamroll over the Heat because Adebayo has been a problem for this Celtics team like we expected him to. Like, this was the mismatch. It's like, he's much more talented than Tice, mm-hmm. and they don't have a backup center to go up against him, and anyone else is too short. I mean, he's been averaging 21.5 points and 11 rebounds in this series, a steal and a third every game, and two blocks, which he's just doing it in, on all ends of the I mean, he's even averaging 4.5 assists a game. So he's doing everything, and they they have no answer for him. So if they took him out of the equation, then I think it's an easy Celtics win. But if he's there, it'll be tougher. And I think the other things you could point to is that Hayward's still finding his groove. Kemba Walker, like you mentioned earlier, is playing a lot better. And how often is Jason Tatum not going to score a point in a half? Uh, I think are all, all all the cases you can make for the Celtics being able to still squeak this out and obviously being in the bubble three one leads are not as safe as they used to be as we've seen uh countless times on the western conference side now so i'm not gonna count them out yet but i think i i can't deny the heat are gonna win this series at this point um, as, as long as Adebayo is healthy if Adebayo misses like even the next two games and it just goes to a coin flip game seven, then I think I could still, my Celtics in seven could still happen. But uh, without a bio healthy, I don't think that they have a chance anymore. Yeah. So I'm going to go heat. I'm going to go heat in six. Oh, so you think Boston could still win one more game? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, they're backs against the wall and they, they have the home screen. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, I think there's still one more adjustment left in, in Brad Stevens. Yeah. Uh, basketball brain. I don't know what it would be, um, but they've got to figure something out. I think Gordon Hayward or Kemba Walker have one more uh, spark left in them. We just got to stop having Marcus Smart shoot so many shots, man. Yeah, Marcus Marcus Smart thinks he's so much better at shooting than he actually is. I mean, one for eight tonight from three, man. You you got to give that to Jalen Brown. You got to give yeah. it to the hot hand. You. Like, what are you doing trying to be the hero on this team? 
Like you are, you're the the ultimate support player. That is what you're here to do. And I understand you. Ha- he had 11 assists tonight, so he he did that pretty well. No, he's but, a he's a good piece. Yeah, yeah. Towards the end, of, towards the end of there, like you need to keep giving those assists, like <laughs> yeah, because they're gonna leave you open. But it's your job to play make and, and find find the other offensive weapons. It's, it's not to it's not to score. Yeah, I think I think they still got one more adjustment left in them. Like I said, and. Yeah. They can take one more win, I think. But yeah. at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think it's. I'm going with dude six games, Miami. My, Miami Heat, man. They got it. There's no way. This is wild. <laughs> I think we we could have predicted the Celtics making the finals, but the Heat, man. Like at the beginning of the season, to get to this far, just obviously all circumstances. But man. There's- yeah, there's no way somebody actually had the Miami Heat making the finals unless it's a deep, unless you know, they're devoted, in Miami. <laughs> yeah, they live in Miami, or like you're a drunk guy, your bachelor party through a dart, and it'll happen to just <laughs> Miami, and you place a bet on that. But it's crazy that we actually yeah. do see Miami. But let's switch gears now to the Western Conference West Coast Lakers up two one against the Denver Nuggets. I mean, a close, close series. This could easily Ooh. be two one favoring the Nuggets. <laughs> Very easily. We got Very an, easily. We got the blowout game one from the Lakers side. I mean, that game. I thought the Lakers were going to lose it. Lakers known for losing game ones, but Denver <laughs> had their slow legs. Lakers take it, and then Anthony Davis following up with a huge game winner to win game two because that game would have been so such a devastating loss. Being that the Lakers were were up huge, up nineteen, I think at one point, and then the Denver Nuggets just came back. Jokic found some life in the fourth quarter, and really was just a back and forth battle between the battle of bigs with Davis and Jokic. Jokic backing Davis down some good what four steps you think into the restricted area, just <laughs> shots it over him. Yeah, and then confidence. Anthony, yeah, full confidence puts the team on his back and scores there, and looks like game's over. LeBron drives, throws it out to KCP, and for some reason KCP doesn't shoot. Gives it to Caruso, top of the key, worst <laughs> three point shooter in that lineup. <laughs> oh no! He takes it and misses it. Danny Green Luckily gets get the, the ball back. Yeah, Danny Green gets the ball, about to shoot, and Jamal Murray blocks it. Yeah, <laughs> and that was almost a blessing because I don't think that shot goes in from no, Danny Green. It definitely wasn't. Yeah, but it's like, can you blame him? You yeah, can't. <laughs> exactly. So. The blessing right there, Jamal Murray blocks it, so therefore it gives the Lakers a chance to reset, and they don't have any timeout. So it, you know, just that little transfer of of possession there between the ref and back to the Lakers gave enough time for them to set up something, which is a a, a play which looked like it was designed for LeBron to to drive. So a screen set and then mm-hmm. switch and then Bron drives, uh, and the ball c- comes from Davis, but it looked instead like. LeBron made a great read and instead of instead of diving he just stayed put and it forced both Denver defenders to stay on him miscommunication on Grant and Mason Plumlee's side to mm-hmm. give Davis that clean look from three and nails it down to give the Lakers that game two win um, and then game three is so I, I was thinking a lot about how to describe this game and this is this is the way I I came up with is okay. This game I think is an example of where confidence turns into arrogance, 
I think, Hmm. you know, it's important to be confident, you know, especially in competition play. Like you, if you're the better team, be confident that you're the better team. But there's also such a thing as arrogance, I think. Hmm. Uh, And arrogance being once you stop losing respect for your opponent or you stop having the appropriate amount of fear of your opponent or worry about them. And I think that's exactly (laughs) what the Lakers did in game three. They came up with that high from game two, that blowout of game one, and they forgot that the Denver Nuggets are haven't really played their their full Denver Nuggets style of basketball. And I think we saw that in game three, uh, where where it's Jokic leading, making the right passes, making the right reads, some guy off the bench of their many guards and wing players that they have having a big night in that night, and that was Grant. And Jamal Murray, you know, doing what he does best, scoring the basketball, hitting threes, hitting fadeaways from mid-range and driving to the basket as well. Just a brilliant scoring point guard. And we finally saw that from the Denver Nuggets. And the the Lakers came out in this game, I think, just fully arrogant, not respecting the Denver Nuggets team that I think, you know, I had I had them finishing as the regular season champ from the Western Conference side because – they were they're a good team. They made it to the semifinals mm-hmm. last year and were one win away from the Western Conference Finals themselves. So that team hasn't changed. And Joe Kick is arguably, you know, almost a top five player in this league. So they're a respectable opponent, and I think the Lakers didn't give them that respect. The hustle wasn't there, and they got blown out in the first half, and they almost came back, but didn't quite seal the deal. They lost a rebounding battle, which should be theirs to win. <laughs> Uh, they turned the ball over, bad reads. Rondo looked awful out there. Caruso looked awful. LeBron was just not aggressive. Anthony Davis played 40-plus minutes, and he was the only one who looked like he was putting some sort of effort in there. But no no spark off the bench from a Kuzma or KCP or Green. It was just a bad performance for the Lakers. And I think the Nuggets played their basketball, their, their style of play, and they imposed it on the Lakers. And now it's time for the Lakers to respond and make some sort of adjustment because, because I think we actually have a series now. You know, I'm very surprised that you put the blame on every other player except Anthony Davis. <laughs> I thought Anthony this Davis is, played played mm, good, not great, but he played good. So you're forgiving his two rebounds just like that. <laughs> I, I is that is that what you're telling me right I now? I think that that fits the the overall narrative. But yeah, you're, it's definitely not acceptable the two rebounds. I mean, LeBron was the leading rebounder with five. I think it's it's it what was do you mean? LeBron overall, had a triple double. Did he have a triple-double in Game 3? He had a triple-double in Game 3, yeah. Oh, I think he might have been the only player with over five rebounds then or yeah, something. Yeah, he was the only player with over five. Yeah. yeah. I think KCP and Danny Green had like four. Yeah, it's a, it's terrible if the Lakers lose. Their, this is They have to play to their strength, which is their strength is being just a, a focused, sharp, defensive team that plays, that plays big and wins the rebounding battle. Like Without those things, the Lakers can't – they can't win against a team like Denver. I mean, LeBron and AD can score, you know, 30 points each, but that only gets you to 60, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's so, good math right there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, they, they've got to be sharp and they've got to be hustling. They got to really they play to their strength, which is just being a bully out there. And game three, Denver fought back against the bully and, you know, wasn't afraid. And, and poked them in the poked them in the eyes and and kicked them in you know in the weak spot. So 
Mm-hmm. A bully is 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 capable to be taken down no matter how big you are, and I think the Lakers need to mm-hmm. adjust and and respond yeah. back. I think the one play that stood out to me the most, besides all of those epic Murray step back three yeah. pointers, was the Lakers were only down four, and they just came off another turnover, and the, there, there was good transition defense. So they had the reset, and I watched Anthony Davis walk up the entire floor as if it was a timeout and to me that speaks to i think anthony davis is the main reason that they lost this game he had nothing left in the fourth quarter and it's inexcusable because you as the lakers are the team that's only had to play five games in each of your series and had had plenty of rest versus this nuggets team that's played essentially every other day since the beginning of the playoffs and you're the team that looks gassed while denver is keeping the gas pedal on at the end of this game yeah that to me was just like the lakers aren't going to win this like anthony davis has given up he's not even trying <laughs> So to me, I think Anthony Davis is as much to blame as anybody else for this loss because they had a shot. We saw it happen. It was a miraculous comeback. I mean, what they forced like six straight turnovers in a row and got easy fast break points on every possession. It was almost as if Denver like forgot how to play basketball <laughs> for a span of five minutes there. It was the most uncanny thing I've ever seen. I've never seen a lead dissipate that quickly before. But, I mean, that's Laker basketball. That is what they do. It is. Maybe yeah. not to that extreme, but that's what they do is they force <laughs> turnovers and they get out on the break and they make good plays on the break. Like, that is that is Laker basketball. And, you know, and we saw it in the last quarter. But, yeah, you're right. I mean – it's hard to say that Anthony Davis had played bad, 27 points, 9 for 17 shooting. But, yeah, I mean, I think the line of the story is, like, there was yeah. just no aggression. LeBron, 1 for 2 from the free throw line. Like, I mean, come on. They, they shouldn't. <laughs> 1 for 2, yeah. Yeah, LeBron should <laughs> be attempting on. 9, should be attempting 10 free throws in the playoffs. You know, this a bulk of his points should be coming from the free throw line. Like, where were the drives? Where was the aggression? And you're right, like, Anthony Davis – you know, again, stat line looks well, but oh for oh for four from three, nine for ten from the free throw line. Good free throw shooting night, but still like ten attempts. No blocks. Like, yeah, this is the this is a defensive player of the year candidate against a team where they have a lot of guys smaller than him. Like everyone besides Jokic on this team is smaller than him, and he didn't get any blocks this game. It's just I don't understand how he has such off nights like this where it's like 27 points for a mere mortal. Yeah. That's a good game. That's Jeremiah Grant's best game of his career, (laughs) but you're Anthony Davis, man. You cannot afford to have a good game for a role player. You have to have a good game for a superstar. This is the playoffs, man. Yeah. You can't get two rebounds. You can't get zero blocks. You can't shoot zero four from the three. And if you're LeBron, I totally agree. It's like you, you had a triple double. He had 30 points on a 14 to 23 shooting, so you were driving, but you can't have two free throws. Two free throws, man? (laughs) Monty Morris had two free throws. That's who gets two free throws. There's a reason people hate watching LeBron James play. It's because he's an aggressive guy. He's hard to stop, so teams foul him. He's at the free throw line a lot. That's just who LeBron James is, and that's how he wins basketball games. 
you know, partly, not completely, but partly. And yeah, it's a big, it's a part of his game. And two free throws is, you know, a good chunk of what is usually, you know, I think 10, at least 10 during the playoffs. Like he's got to be at the free throw line. Like there's got to be aggression. I didn't see that from LeBron in the first half in the third quarter. And in the fourth, I saw it. In the third, I saw it a little bit when they also made that, mounted that comeback. But I think part of it is also like the Lakers just need to make some adjustments. And I think they've been, they've been, you know, in the playoffs so far against the Portland, they, you know, they played their bigs and that worked out for them in Houston. They went their way and then adjusted, I think, by around game three, made some adjustments to, to counteract the, the Rockets and then, you know, never looked back from there. And I think right now the Lakers are at that crossroads where the Nuggets have adjusted, and now it's time for the Lakers to bounce, respond back with something else. And my thoughts are, let's try starting Dwight Howard. Let's let's see what happens when we start no, him. No, what? Let's see that's what happens. That's your solution? I, no, I don't think that's the He's one solution. He's hooked by Jokic, man. I, I, cooked. I, Absolutely cooked. I think when I think we got to move away from starting Javel. Like Javel was just not giving anything. To, it hasn't given given much to start these games. I think we need to start with like some physical imposing, and no, I think Dwight I, Howard might no. be that guy. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I think they need to go back to what they were doing against the Rockets. Honestly, they need to go Anthony Davis at the five and put Markeith Morris into the starting lineup instead. So that's so that was my se- that's going to be my second point is you know I I'm I'm still leaning on starting Dwight let's let's get off to a good start does that no, mean Dwight Howard plays twenty plus how, minutes no how does that get you off to a good start and then it's the, Dwight Howard man he had four fouls in fourteen minutes that's all he did was foul Jokic that was his whole job let's do that let's do that let's just no. let's just bully this man around second it point didn't work though <laughs> my second point is. And and that's and that's to to what you're saying, Sean is like I think we got to move away from this terrible lineup that the really the Denver Nuggets have really been scoring but in bunches against is LeBron James, Rondo, Caruso, Morris at the five, and Kuzma at the four. Uh, this is the worst lineup we've played in this series. <laughs> Negative forty one net rating. Oh, <laughs> like that's the and I think that plays to your point, Sean. Like we need to go Anthony Davis at the five and Morris at the four. Morris can't play five. Like. Mason Plumlee's no. bullying the crap out of him. Grant is scoring in bunches against him. Like uh, it almost seems like we might not even be able to play Caruso and Rondo at the same time against this lineup. Like no, like Murray Murray's going hunting against these guys. So I think that's one thing. Also, need, Lakers need to move away from that. Vogel needs to move away from that lineup. Uh, third point: start start attacking the basket. Lakers need to just mount more free throws and stop settling for threes because. We, while we do have three-point shooters, we're just not not that good. <laughs> Danny Green and KCP are just not that good. Six for 30. This is what you signed Danny Green for, man. $15 million a year to shoot threes. Yeah, so, and again, last point, move away from pairing Rondo and Caruso so much. I think that might not be the winning yeah. lineup against this team. Those are my points there, Sean. You seem to disagree strongly against the Dwight Howard point, but I think it. I don't know together, how you think that makes sense. I think we try it. Let's try it. See what happens. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah, you're up two one. You can try it. I just I feel like you're better off with Anthony Davis at the five. Like that's a better experiment in my mind. Like if you're trying to go up three one, which you definitely are, despite all voodoo circumstances. Otherwise. <laughs> You want to put in your most optimal lineup, and for me, that's Anthony Davis guarding Jokic. Because Dwight Howard, 
He's just running around out there. Let's be real. He's not actually defending Jokic. He's just trying to annoy him, which we've seen hasn't worked because Patrick Beverly tried to annoy Jokic, and that got us nowhere. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard doing it ain't going to be any better. You have. To, I know Anthony Davis hates playing the five, but if you want to win a championship, bro, you got to have to play the five and stop being a big baby about it because you are the best defender against Jokic. In the, in the regular season, defensive rating against Jokic, he was second best, I think only behind Rudy Gobert. So you got to suck it up, man. You're going to have to take some hits from Jokic on the defensive end, but that's how you're going to win the game. I can see moving away from Rondo and Caruso. I totally agree with that. Um, and, and yeah, I think that that, that five man lineup that, that you listed there that mm. is, that is absolutely atrocious, yeah. and I don't know how that is part of their normal rotations. So I, I don't really know how that happened. So that was the one of the most that was the third best effective lineup against the Rockets. Oh, versus the Rockets. We're, yeah, well, this they didn't have a, a, a seven foot point guard exactly. Guard, so <laughs> yeah, when Morris just had to take care of uh, PJ Tucker. Uh, Daniel yeah. House, uh, Robert Covington, a little bit, right. you know, or whoever else it was that they threw out there. Yeah, but when he has to run around covering Mason Plumlee, Jokic, or Grant at times uh, at that at that four spot, it's 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 you know, Morris can't do it. This man can't do it. Yeah. This man cannot guard basketball. Well, big that's basketball the thing players. Is, like how? Why are you still trying lineups that were designed very specifically for a certain team? against a team with a totally different makeup to it. Yeah. Like, this team does not even resemble the Rockets. So that's just this bad coaching, in, in my opinion, and, and I do hope that they adjust from that. They have to. Even though they're up to one, it almost feels like they're down to one yeah. in my mind, which I think is honestly good for the Lakers because I think they're going to come out in this game tomorrow and, p- and play with a little more urgency and a little more intensity because being up 2-0 does get you into a lull i mean we saw it with the heat they gave up a game to the celtics and i think the lakers are going to respond very similarly to how the heat responded in in the game tonight they're, they're going to come out with a lot more energy um hopefully with the adjustments you mentioned um but th- this nuggets team man they they have nothing but fighting them um so I, I just give them so much respect and i, I want to ask you this question and just just one last denver nuggets uh little little uh question here for you how close is jamal murray to damian lillard oh that's i i didn't mention that but yeah i think he's i mean i think from what he's done i i I confidently want to say he's the best point guard in the playoffs he's outplayed the the little bit we saw of damian lillard you know he's outplayed kevin walker kyle lowry uh who else do we have out here uh james harden james harden Mm, you know what? It feels like he has. I mean, he's definitely outplayed wow. West Westbrook. <laughs> That's not even a question. <laughs> it feels like he has. Like, I yeah. mean, he's not. Like, I don't think next year he's better than Westbrook. But I think heading into next year, oh, like, you think he's better than Westbrook? Yeah, yeah. But I think heading into next year, it's like Jamal Murray is right there to take a playoff spot with all these competitive guards that we have that there are out there in the west in terms of all-star spots like mm-hmm. it might very well be close between him and damien like i think curry will be in there if he's healthy yeah, well, obviously harden yeah. will be in there but i think you know damien or westbrook could be overtaken by uh yeah. jamal murray 
And I think it's going to be Westbrook if we're being completely honest. Yeah. <laughs> if we're basing it off of recent plays, like Murray has become that player that you're afraid of in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. which it was something reserved specifically for guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. And now you have to put Jamal Murray uh, and James Harden, and you have to put Jamal Murray in that line in that list now. Because I mean that the clutch shots he's been pulling off in every series so far has just been superstar level. I mean, the shots that he's taking are so low percentage. <laughs> the, the playoff P would describe it as a bad shot, right? But they're going in, and you're confident that they're gonna go in when they go up. And to me, that that's that screams to me superstar level. And, and so he, I think, is putting himself in that upper tier now. With Damian, Steph, and James Harden as that tier point guard in this league. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's just with every passing game, it it just becomes more and more apparent to me that, like, Jamal Murray has arrived. Yeah, I think it's, like, no longer really a question. I mean, even in this Lakers series, you know, he was a little quiet in game one and game two, but he was still 20-plus. He's still 50%. He's still shooting, like, 38 to 42% from three. Like, even quiet nights are just super efficient and and still impactful like it, it's crazy to see that from from somebody that we used to describe as streaky and uh you know overshooter overshooting you know uh and he mm-hmm. did have that vibe about him but he's he still has it but it's just working out so much better for him and yeah i mean heading into next year like he's totally a western conference all-star at least in the running for it and I think it, I think right now when we're looking at the playoffs, I think he's the best point guard in the playoffs. Like Chris Paul is another name that I think mm-hmm. that we forgot to say, and I sure. think he's outplayed sure. what Chris Paul did in that OKC series against the Rock against yeah against the Rockets. Like, I mean, maybe James Harden seems to be the only one who has a strong case against him. Um, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, that's an MVP you're talking about right there. Yeah, and and, after, um, and as we look at the teams going to the finals, like it almost looks like there is no. Like we are seeing the best point guard in in the entire yeah, playoffs. He's the best point guard remaining. Yeah. yeah. Like he yeah, even if Kemba Walker goes to, I don't think Kemba Walker does something in the finals to to outdo what Jam, we've already seen no. from Jamal Murray. Yeah. And it, yeah, and I don't really know if uh, Tyler Harrow <laughs> is quite there yet either, but I mean, for all the praise we, we we're heaping on Denver and for uh, I'm sure uh, as melancholy as you feel right now coming off of a Lakers loss. Let's not forget that they still are in the driver's seat. They're leading two one. Mm-hmm. Let's not panic. Yeah, <laughs> Le- LeBron is still in the driver's seat, and and I still think that this is a Lakers in six series. Yeah, I mean the Denver Denver's a great team, much like Miami. Not quite to that level, I think, in a different way. They're still a great execution team as well. And they have a player, you know, again that's arguably in the top five and Joe Kick Jamal Murray really climbing the ladder quickly to as one of the top point guards in this league. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have two guys who are first team all NBA who are not arguably in the top five. They are in the top five. Yeah. <laughs> we have the best player in the game in LeBron James and the Denver Nuggets have thrown Grant at him, have thrown Tory Craig, all these pieces. And, you know, Grant's done a solid job jumping between LeBron and Anthony Davis, but He's not really stopping them, and he can't really stop them. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I think the Lakers should be able to figure out a way, and Vogel should be able to make some adjustments to still win this series. So 
I'm still not moving away from five. Like I still think this is this is wow. a five game. Yeah, the, you're still going win five. For the Lakers. Okay. Yeah, I don't know this this Nuggets team, man. They they've made these last two games so like sketch. That <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, man, that that I I gotta give them one more win. I gotta give them that respect. You know, it's like obviously. Have, not having an answer for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that's just being a normal basketball team. But to be able to keep up with them, that that's something else. So, yeah, I, and obviously they beat the Clippers, so I have to respect them. Yeah. So six six games, man, six games. I'm giving them I'm giving them another win. It might happen tomorrow. It might happen on on Saturday, but I, I think they're gonna get one more. Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. This is a dangerous team, but. I got, I got the five in L.A. We'll see what happens. But, you know, to close off the podcast, talking about the playoffs and everything, you know, we can't forget that there is another year still in the horizon, or at least we just don't know how far away in the horizon it is. And Adam Silver jumped on CNN uh, this week to talk about the league likely not coming back until January. So it looks like the December 1st date, the Christmas Day return of the NBA is out the window now. And now we won't be looking into to a return of the NBA until 2021, at least until January. So for now, we got to just enjoy the NBA playoff basketball that we do have because we're not completely sure when we'll have it back. That's very true. And despite it being delayed a little bit, it's still a shortened offseason, I think, in the grand scheme of things. So... It won't be long, and yeah, just thankful for basketball. And I mean, if, it, if January means that we get to have some fans in the arena safely, then I'm all for it. Yeah, same here. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be cover, continue to cover the NBA playoffs and see where the Lakers land against Denver, and if the Miami Heat will advance to their NBA Finals and give uh, Andre Iguodala another one to his list <laughs> of consecutive final appearances. Crazy. Crazy. Have a good week, everybody.